Well, now I gotta follow that up somehow. So I'm gonna try to follow that up with a marriage story that I think all of us can learn from. A husband and wife were in conflict with each other on a pretty regular basis. One day the husband said to his wife, when we disagree, I lose my temper and start yelling, but you always stay so cool and collected. How do you do it? The wife told him, I work it off by cleaning the toilet. Cleaning the toilet, the husband said. How in the world does that help? His wife responded, I use your toothbrush. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Adam, and we are so glad that you are joining us this morning. Whether you've been coming here for a while or if you are new, so glad that you are here. And we are going to continue on in our series on relationships. And this morning, we're talking about conflict. And unfortunately, conflict is something that you just can't avoid in relationships. It's inevitable, even with the people that you love. And conflict can be a pretty big deal, but I think what's a bigger deal than the conflict itself is how you deal with the conflict. Because, let's face it, if you're married, I'm sure you have at least one story of getting into this long, drawn-out fight over something totally ridiculous, like how to squeeze the toothpaste or do the dishes. You guys have stories like that? And it starts off about something so tiny, and before long, the issue isn't really the issue. The whole fight escalates because of how you respond to the conflict. And we can respond to conflict in ways like accusing, sarcasm, blowing up in anger, pettiness, and defensiveness. And let's face it, if this is how you or other people deal with conflict, how's your relationship with people going to be? Eh, not very good. That's not rocking science to figure out. Or you could respond to conflict with um, kindness, humility, listening, helpful conversation, forgiveness. Well, how would our relationships look if we responded this way when things are on the edge of getting heated? This could be an absolute game changer. But I'm sure that none of you this morning are thinking, wow, never would have thought of that. So glad I came to church this morning just to know that how I respond to conflict makes a big difference. And, and so I understand that for a lot of us, this isn't new information. A lot of this isn't an information problem. Because even though we might know what to do, the fact remains that a lot of us still respond to conflict in negative ways. And so it's not so much an information problem as it is a heart problem and an application problem. And so I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning and just kind of hit the pause button on the message. And I want to take some time now just to pray that God would give us soft hearts to not just listen to what his word has to say about conflict, but to apply it in our lives. And I want to encourage you to just kind of pray along with me in your hearts and to make this your prayer so that we can walk away this morning uh, putting God's word into action. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you give us the best example of how to deal with people who feel like our enemies. Because God, at one point in our lives, we were all your enemies, but yet you showed us kindness, mercy, and grace. And I ask that we would follow your example. I ask 
that you would just give us soft hearts to receive what you would have for us this morning in your word. I ask that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers also. And I ask that through our example, that you would use us to be a blessing in the lives of other people. And I ask that you would expose in our hearts any area of our lives that is not surrendered to you in any area of our lives that we really need to work on. And I pray that this would be the prayer for all of us here in this room. And I thank you that we don't have to do this in our own strength, but that you come alongside us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. We'll have it up here on the screen for you to follow along. And we're actually going to start with the last verse in this chapter, just because it gives a little bit of a summary of everything that we're going to be talking about this morning. So Romans chapter 12 in verse 21, it says, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So we can be conquered or overcome by evil when there's conflict in our lives and we respond to that conflict the easy way. And the easy way of responding to conflict is with defensiveness, blowing up in anger, pettiness, all of those kind of things. Nobody had to teach us how to respond to conflict that way. That just comes naturally for all of us. That's the easy way. And when we respond that way, we are, in a sense, overcome by evil. But we can overcome evil when we respond the hard way. And the hard way is showing people love and kindness in the midst of a heated or what could be heated situation. And so the main point for this morning's message is we honor God and others by overcoming evil with good. And we're going to take the time to unpack five strategies for overcoming evil. And we have all of these strategies on this handy-dandy magnet. And these are going to be handed out at the end of the service. And so if you take notes, great. We basically took notes for you. And all you have to do is pick this up at the end of the service. And I encourage you to put that on your fridge or somewhere that you can see it so that we can truly live this out in our lives. Now, we're going to move pretty fast through these strategies, uh, starting with the first one, and that is control your tongue. All right, now backtrack to verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. This is some countercultural stuff. Like you, you don't really hear this kind of advice outside of church or God's word or Christians. Like, what? Bless those who persecute you? And pray that God will bless those people? And I'll admit, there's some people in my life that sometimes rub me the wrong way. And I realized this week that I was more frustrated by those people than burdened for them. Yeah, I realized my heart isn't really in the right place, and I'm not dealing with this the right way. And so I really felt that God was laying it on my heart to write down the names of those people and to just be praying for them and praying that they would become more like Jesus. And I thought I was doing pretty good as a Christian. I was like, yeah, look at me go, applying the, the tough things to my life. And then I was reading this verse in preparation for this morning, and it was like a gut check. Come on, God. 
Really? Because what I read from this verse is that it's not just enough to pray for these people that they would become more like Jesus, like God fix all their problems and make them not a problem anymore. But I was called to pray that God would bless them. And so what I realized is I still got to work on my heart. I got to work on having this desire for God to bless these people who I feel like have mistreated me or maybe rubbed me the wrong way. So how does this relate to controlling our tongue? Well, I think it takes a lot of control to bless people or to bless people with our words and to build them up when they're trying to tear you down with their words. And it takes a lot of control to pray that God would bless those people. And I think you could be standing face to face with somebody and say some kind and encouraging words to them and not really mean it. It is really hard to pray that God would bless somebody and not really mean it. And so that just focuses it back to the heart issue. And it's really a heart issue in what we do with our tongue. All right, we'll move on to the second strategy, and that is focus on others. In the next verse, verse 15, it says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. All throughout our marriage, Gabby has this phrase that she's been repeating to me, and I think she repeats it because I haven't gotten it the first time, uh, but what she says to me often is, match her energy, and usually she'll say something like that right before we have people over for dinner or before uh, we have people over for small group, and she'll be running around the house like a chicken with her head cut off, trying to clean things up and be prepared for people to come over. And I help too, I clean up, but what drives her crazy is that I move at the pace of a carefree sloth. And so <laughs> she'll be like, focus on this. And I'm like, let me fix this light bulb. It was like, no, match my energy. Because when I don't match her energy, I'm basically sending a message to her that says, what's important to you and being ready for people to come over, that's not really important to me. And when my wife says to match her energy, She's not just talking about the pace at which things get done around the house. Oftentimes what she says, when she says that, what she really means is to be an emotional support for her and to care about how she feels and to care about what's important to her. The problem for me is that oftentimes the way that I express my emotions is a lot like this. Like, this is my sad face. This is my happy face. This, like, all of my emotions, my expressions can sometimes be the same thing. And so the problem is, if my wife has a tough day or something happens where she's down and out and she's feeling kind of sad, and I come alongside her, and my expressions are just, oh, that's sad. Or if I have, like, this happy-go-lucky attitude, meanwhile she's sad, I'm kind of sending her a message that says, I don't really care about how you feel. Or the flip side of that is true, where if she could be excited and happy about something, but it, if I'm expressionless or if I'm in a grumpy mood, then it brings down her excitement. And it also sends that message of, I don't really care about how you feel. And so when this verse says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep, I think the heart of that is saying to value people and to care about how they feel. 
I'm bringing this back to conflict. What if we cared about how other people feel, not just when things are good and going smooth? What if we care about how people feel even in the midst of conflict? What if our priority in a heated conversation is not just to land that slam dunk argument or tell them how you really feel, but what if you paused for a minute and just thought, what do they feel right now? How can I come alongside them? And it doesn't mean that you always have to agree with the situation, but to just care about how they feel. All right, we'll move on to the next strategy, and that is keep doing what is right. In verse 17, it says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Now, I think we're all familiar with sayings that are along the lines of, I don't get mad, I get, yep, or give them a taste of their own. Man, I don't know when I learned those sayings, but it just felt like that was ingrained in my mind all the time. That's how culture lives. And, and when we respond to conflict that way, oftentimes it's like trying to fight a fire with gasoline. We're just adding to the damage. And it doesn't make anything better. Everybody gets burned. Everybody gets hurt. There's really no satisfaction in getting even. That's just, that is such a myth. And Martin Luther King has this saying where he says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And Martin Luther King, he wasn't some guy who just sat at a desk writing catchy quotes for Pinterest. This guy was in the trenches living through some difficult things. He had people who wanted to take his life because of the message that he was spreading. And this is just that example of doing the right thing even when it's hard, even when it's, you have that desire to just pay back evil with evil, but it's showing love and kindness in the face of conflict. All right, we'll move on to the next strategy, and that is to recognize your limits. In verse 18, it says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Or the way a different translation puts it is, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And this verse recognizes that as followers of Jesus, we have this calling on our lives to be at peace with all people. But... We can't control how other people respond. We can't control the outcome of a relationship. The only thing that we can control is our responses or the things that we do. And so if you have a relationship in your life where you feel like you've invested in it, you've tried the best that you can, but there's still not peace, then it doesn't necessarily mean that you are a failure. It doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian or you didn't try hard enough. Like we should own up to anything that we can own up to. We should do our best to live at peace with all people. But at the end of the day, the outcome of that relationship is in God's hands. And all we can do is just take the next right step. All right, now we'll move on to the last strategy. And that is to kill them with kindness. In verse 19, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. 
Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. I think this one can be a little bit hard to live out because a lot of us have a strong sense of justice. Like we don't want people to get away with doing bad things. We don't want bad deeds to be swept under the rug. We don't want to see people who are continuing on in patterns of lying and manipulation to continue to get away with those kind of patterns and not see any kind of consequences. We want justice to be served. And I don't think it's wrong to want to have justice because God is a God of justice. But we step out of line when we think that it is our place to serve that justice, to take vengeance into our own hands. And every time somebody does something wrong to us and we take that step to repay evil for evil, to make them pay for what they have done, then we're taking over God's job. That is God's job. He will judge sin. It is our job to show people love and kindness even when they mistreat us. Uh, a little while ago, I was reading a book on marriage, and I gave an example of this couple that was constantly in conflict with each other. They would just always be on each other's nerves, and they would blow up and tell their spouse how frustrated, wow, how frustrated they were about something that happened. And so finally, they went to a counselor, and the counselor gave them an assignment. And the assignment was to set aside two jars. One was labeled for the husband, the other was labeled for the wife. And the rest of their assignment was anytime they were about to get into an argument with each other, anytime something frustrating came up, instead of talking about it in the moment or maybe blowing up, what they were supposed to do is just write down their frustration on a three by five card and then take that three by five card and put it in a jar and they weren't going to talk about it until the end of the month. And so that's what this couple did. And there would be some times where there would be a frustrating situation and the husband would see his wife drop some cards into his jar and there would be times where the wife would see the husband drop some cards into her jar and finally, at the end of the month, they open up the jars, and the husband goes first, and he pulls out a note, and it says, you left the toilet seat up again. And he pulls out another note, and it says, you didn't fix the leak like you said you would. And another note, it says, you don't spend enough quality time with me. And he just kept pulling out more and more notes like this, and he, he's just he's feeling kind of sad, like, hey, all right, yeah, there's some things in my life that I really need to work on. And then it came time for the wife to open up her jar, and she pulls out a note, and then another note, and then another one, and more and more. And each note said the same thing. Each note said, I love you. And in that moment, all that defensiveness that she brought into the situation just kind of washed away. And just think about that as it relates to our relationships I think so often we have this idea that if we don't make somebody pay for the wrong that they've done, then maybe we're just enabling them to continue on with their destructive behavior. We're just enabling them to continue to walk all over us. But that's not God's way. And God's word says that when we treat people with love and kindness, it's like heaping burning coals of shame on their heads. When we respond to them, not evil for evil, but 
when we respond to them with love and kindness, it exposes that what they did was wrong, and it brings this sense of shame for what they have done. And I think that is so much more powerful as we navigate conflict in our relationships. And if we can just apply these five strategies in our lives, I think that can make an incredible difference for our relationships and even the way that we represent Jesus with our lives. And so as we wrap things up, here's just two ideas for application. And the first one is to pray for your heart. A lot of these things, it's not just about going through the motions or saying nice things to people but not really meaning it or pretending like you care about how somebody feels but not really having a heart for that person. And I think God's desire for our lives is not just for us to be cleaned up on the outside, but his desire for us is to be transformed and to have the heart of Jesus. And something that I did this week and just working through this passage was to just pray through these verses and really praying that my heart would be in the right place. All right, here's another idea for application, and that is to pick one strategy that we talked about. And I want to encourage you to use that magnet, to pick that up on the way out and to put that somewhere that you'll see it as a reminder to work on these things in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are such a loving and amazing God. You give us so much that we don't deserve, your mercy and your grace. Mercy is new every morning. And God, I ask that we would have your heart for people, that our heart would not be to repay evil for evil, but that our heart would be to represent you with the way that we respond to conflict. And I don't know the situations that people are experiencing here in this room, but God, you do, and you are right there with them to walk through it with them. And I just ask that um, that your word would not just be something that we read on Sunday morning, but that we would see it for what it is, that it is living and active, and it is um, it is your words to us, and is so helpful and essential for living the Christian life. And so I ask that we would not just know it, but live it out. And I ask that we would rely on your strength for that. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to take a little bit of time right now uh, to just share a few words. Um, I, I am so blessed to be a part of the ministry here in Tonkanic. It's been awesome to see what God has done in changing people's lives and just the front row seat that I've had to all of that. I came to Bridgewater in 2020 as an intern right out of seminary. And I spent three months here at the Tonkana campus, and in my time here, I really felt that this was my church family. Um, so many of you just came around me and, and loved on me. And so it was tough when after those three months, I was called to move back to the Montrose campus, and we joked around that we were going to start a GoFundMe to keep me here in Tonkanic. And I don't think that any of us would have imagined that it would take Rich Clark taking a pastoral position out in Indiana for me to have the opportunity to come back to this campus. And that was a tough season of transition and growth, I think, for all of us. And I'm so thankful for 
the support that I had here as a young leader that was just learning a lot of things for the first time. I was thinking about the first message that I ever preached up here on this stage. And now as I reflect on it, I recognize that message was not that good. <laughs> but you all were so encouraging to me in that season of my life. And that has been such a blessing. Like you have been there for me in my season of singleness as a guy who barely knew how to cook. You were there for me when I married my amazing wife. You've been there for me as I've entered this new season of parenting. And almost every morning for I don't even know how long, every morning on Sundays as I would make the drive from my house to the Sunday morning services, my prayer would be that God would just use me to be a blessing to the people here. And I hope that God has answered that prayer. But what I can say for sure is that you all have been such an incredible blessing in my life. I've really experienced um, the love of Jesus through you and the love of a church family. And so that's what makes it so hard for me to share that Gabby and I believe that God is calling us to a new chapter in our lives. And as we've started growing our family, we've had this desire on our heart to be closer to my parents. And God has opened up the opportunity for me to pastor a country church not far from where my parents live. And so we are going to be following God's leading in that direction. Um, if, if we were not confident that this is where God was leading us, there's no way that we would want to leave because the, um, the relationships that we have here are so important to us. And we're always going to treasure the memories of the times that we've had here. And it's going to be really hard to say goodbye. But I know that God is going to continue to do awesome things through the ministry here. And I'm excited to hear about what God will continue to do here at Bridgewater. And we're also excited to continue on in church ministry and to see what God will do in that area as we spread the message of Jesus. So, is Kurt's going to come up now? Okay. I'm going to ask Gabby to come on up. Um, so, walked through this journey with Adam all along um, since he started down here. He mentioned uh, for a few months uh, as an intern and we did student ministry together and and uh, just every everywhere along the way I, I remember when we were he was going to Montrose and we're like what? Like come on like how do we get him to stay here and then you know Pastor Rich left and down came, came Adam so um we were uh, we're happy to, to have him, and, and then Gabby came along, and uh, and uh, we just have done a lot together, uh, different ministry. Um, if you haven't noticed, Adam and I are opposite people, um, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, when when he shared about his expressionlessness, um, and I, I would I would joke and, and say like you know I, I'm a counselor and I, I just can't figure out what you're feeling. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you, you can swap notes with my wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I tell you one thing, though. One thing, though, that was always, always the purest joy that I would see in Adam, and that's when someone came to know Jesus. Man is just 
bright, shining, and it's just awesome. And, and so we've had a chance to do so much together, and I know he's poured into so many here, and you've had opportunities to pour into him and, and just watch him and Gabby grow, and, and it's been good. Um, and I just want to want to say as we as we consider um, the song, the next song we're going to sing, um, On Earth As It Is In Heaven, and that, you know what, God is doing a work. He's doing a work here in Bridgewater, but he's doing a work all over the world. And he's just sending Adam and Gabby to a different place where he's going to work, and he's going to use them to impact more people for Jesus up there in New York. And, um, and you know, it's okay to have two different feelings, right? All right? You can be happy that they're going to be going in a, in a place where they'll be closer to family and it's going to be strengthen them in that way. But it's okay to be happy and sad at the same time. It is possible, right? All right? And I'm not going to cry. I try to <laughs> not do that. Um, and so, but I just, I, I just want to say that we're, we are thankful for them, thankful for what God has done in their lives and how God's going to continue to use them. I, I ask that if that you don't, Share it all over the place because we have one more service and we'd like Adam to have the opportunity to share it personally um, with everyone. So, um, and we're also going to be having, they're going to be here a few weeks yet. Yep. And um, March 10th, we're going to be having a luncheon after third service uh, to celebrate them and, to, and to, to send them off. So we're, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be good. Um, we're going to be all right. And um, God's going to continue to do great things here because it's a, it, this is his church. Amen. And he's going to use um, each and every one here. And he's going to use Adam and Gabby where they're going. So I just wanted to take a minute and to pray for them and uh, as, we, as we move towards the song this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love for us, Lord. You are so good. Um, and God, I thank you for all the work that you've, you're doing here at Bridgewater. And uh, I just pray that you continue to do that um, as, as we plan and as we prepare for the next steps. Um, but I just pray that you be with Adam and Gabby as they prepare to go, Lord, and, um, and uh, they would, you would send them well, Lord. And um, that you just continue to use them in a great way. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And this is all about you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>